0: podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman universe your ultimate source for Batman news.
1: Welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 81. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me...
0: This is Melinda.
1: And this is John. And we are bringing you the latest movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news from the month of October, including all of the happenings that occurred at New York Comic Con. There was a good chunk of the different things that we're going to discuss related to New York Comic Con, but we'll work those into the actual specific topics. Another real big thing that happened was Young Justice was pulled from the air. We'll talk about that during TV news. So we do have some news. As far as our feature goes, we're going to be talking about the supporting characters within the Batman universe, specifically the allies and their current status within the uh, new 52 DC universe. And what some of you who may not have been reading the comic books, you know, give you an idea of what has happened to some of your favorite characters that you have grown to love through the other mediums that uh, we cover, but let you know what has happened to those characters within the DC universe with this new continuity. So, with that, let's get right into movie news.
2: Where were the other drugs going? I never knew. I don't know. I swear to God. Swear to
1: me! As I said, we do have some things to cover. Obviously, the end of the month, last month, Batman the Dark Knight Returns released, and we talked about that in the last episode. In relation to the sequel, we did find out that it will be releasing in early 2013, which we kind of already knew. There was a panel at New York Comic Con discussing the sequel, and they showed a number of clips But specifically, some of the things that happened at New York Comic Con related to the the Part 2 was that they did reveal that Mark Valley is voicing Superman, which you may have seen if you watched the special features. And it was also revealed that Conan O'Brien will actually be voicing the late-night talk show host in the Part 2 panel as well. That was revealed on TV Guide right before the panel actually happened in New York Comic Con, but he will be voicing David Endocrine, and if you are unfamiliar with the comic, that's a pretty crucial scene relating to the Joker, and once the Joker's released, this David Endocrine, he actually interviews the Joker. I'm a big fan of Conan O'Brien, and according to Bruce Timm during the panel, Conan O'Brien was actually able to do the entire bit that he needed to do for the film in one take and it was perfect so looking forward to that
0: conan o'brien i think was the most exciting news like you dustin huge fan of him and from what i understand he is a huge fan of dc comics and the dc animated universe he had an interview where he got bruce tim to draw him as a superhero and obviously the results were pretty hilarious
1: it's the flaming sea and then the other bit of news that came out of The Dark Knight Returns panel was... They announced some of the films that are going to be releasing in 2013. In addition to Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 2 in early 2013, Lego Batman the movie DC Superheroes Unite, which we can assume follows the storyline of the recently released Lego Batman video game, that's also expected in spring of 2013... Summer of 2013 is Superman Unbound, and fall of 2013 is Justice League Flashpoint. So, obviously, we won't be covering Superman Unbound on the podcast. We might be covering some of it under the DC Universe Spotlight on the website, but Justice League Flashpoint will definitely be covering. And I hope that they cover some of the mini-series events that happened in Batman: Night of Vengeance, which was the Flashpoint tie-in for Batman because it was, it was really good. It was a board show for this year for the stuff that happened last year. Batman Night of Vengeance was actually one of the top series of last year, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, the Lego Batman movie, uh, I've seen some comments on the website of people commenting about it. I don't know if it's actually going to be just the entire story of what was the video game, but at the same point, the fact that it has the exact same title leads me to believe that it could be the same thing as what the video game was, only in movie form and not obviously with anything related to the actual video game, the playing parts. But I like Lego Batman. I think it's, it, it is interesting. It's a different take on Batman. It's definitely a different thing than uh, DC animated films are used to. It's obviously not going to fall in the continuity. They revealed a trailer for the film, and Clancy Brown is reprising his role as Lex Luthor in the film. So, there will be more news coming out about that. The trailer is already up on our YouTube page for that movie, as well as the trailer for Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 2. So, there will be more news because it is set to come out so soon. I'm looking forward to what they've got planned.
0: I'm always a fan of when they make Batman, who is very typically a dark character accessible to young kids, and I think that this is just another way that they're doing that, and so I applaud them for that because they know how to get kids to get their parents' wallets.
3: With the Lego superheroes, I'm expecting it to be similar to the Star Wars movies that Lego have released, so it probably won't be the same as the video game. It'll have an overarching narrative, probably lasting about half an hour, and there 'll be a lot of in jokes and a lot of references and a lot of nods to the comet and to to the source material they they tend to do those kind of things very lovingly and very tongue in cheek all right, and then as far as any
1: other movie news, as far as The Dark Knight Rises, on October 1st, the cover art was revealed for all the different versions that will be released, as well as uh, we, we discovered some retailer exclusives. Target will be offering digibooks for the Blu-ray releases, one with Bane on the cover and one with Batman on the cover, and Best Buy will be uh, releasing a steelbook case for the Blu-ray, as along with a documentary called The Dark Knight Reborn. We actually have the trailer up on the website, so you can check that out. It actually is a documentary that focuses on all three movies that Chris Nolan has done. We talked about this in the last episode, but I'm just going to mention it again because we're getting closer to the release of the film. The Dark Knight trilogy that's being released, if you are thinking about possibly buying that, I would just say wait. Warner Brothers is celebrating their 90th anniversary, and throughout the entire year of 2013, they're going to be releasing a number of new editions of multiple movies with more special features and bonus material and things like that. And one of the things that they're planning on releasing is the Dark Knight Trilogy, the Ultimate Fans Collection or something. Something on that regard is, I don't know, I, I can't remember exactly what the name is, but they're releasing that next year. So I would probably hold off on buying the Dark Knight Trilogy, just get the Dark Knight Rises and wait for that Ultimate Edition that's releasing next year.
0: Yeah, I've been getting just the single non-fun additions. I'm waiting for the tricked out trilogy.
1: And then, as far as some other Dark Knight Rises news, on October 15th, there was a new sizzle reel that Warner Brothers put together. It's basically about a minute and a half trailer. We have that on the website and on YouTube for you guys to check out. Obviously very similar if you've already seen the Dark Knight Rises, already seen all these clips, but it's basically just one and a half minute trailer for the Blu-ray release. And then also on October 15th, Warner Brothers launched a four-year consideration page for uh, the upcoming award season, and obviously they're focusing their attention on The Dark Knight Rises as well as some other specific movies that they have released this year, but up for consideration is pretty much in every category you can imagine they have somebody that they are putting up for consideration. So you can check out the list on the website as far as who they've put up for consideration, but needless to say, uh, the best thing to do is really just wait around until award season pops up. Check out the website for nominations as they are announced.
3: Chris Nolan doesn't get an Oscar for Best Director, there is something wrong with the Oscars.
0: Well, if they have a really bad habit of awarding it like a few years or the next time they're nominated, even though they should have won the previous time... I'm looking at their best supporting actor category, and all of them deserve to take home an award for their performance. It's just a matter of which one and unfortunately, I mean, yeah, Keith Ledger won for the Dark Knight, but that was extenuating circumstances. I really don't see them awarding too many statues for this movie. The
1: reality is that as much as I would love these you know any of these people that they're putting up for consideration to win. I don't know how many are actually going to win. I think that from the Academy's perspective, The Dark Knight was probably a better movie, specifically because the Academy tends not to look at the last chapter of something in high regards in comparison to the other movies. And the fact that The Dark Knight was snubbed for at least the Best Picture nomination... And then, in turn, the following year, they switched it over to 10 nominations. Then, subsequent years, they switched it to up to 10 nominations. It could see some nominations, but it's going to be very difficult for, I think, it to win some specific categories. There are some other movies. One of the other movies that Warner Brothers is actually promoting for award season is Argo. And I've seen that Ben Affleck starred and directed in that movie. And that movie was phenomenal as well. And honestly, if I had to put the two together just from an Academy perspective, not my personal favorites, Argo would probably be a better award nomination over The Dark Knight Rises.
3: Legend tells of a Cape Crusader, Batman, guardian of New Gotham, and his one true love, Catwoman, the queen of the criminal underworld. Their passion left behind something extraordinary a daughter. Huntress,
2: half meta human, she has taken up her father's mantle and fights to protect the innocent and helpless. Joining her in this struggle, Oracle, once Batman's protege, Batgirl. She was caught in the crossfire of the war between Batman and Joker. Now she fights crime a different way, a master of the cyber realms and trainer to heroes. Together, they have taken in Dinah, a meta human herself with powers that she is only beginning to explore. These three are the protectors of New gotham the birds of prey. My name is Alfred Pennyworth, and this is their story.
1: So with that, let's get into TV news. A couple different things to go over, specifically all about Young Justice. So we had one episode air on October 6th called Darkest. This episode featured Black Manta, having a mission for his son to prove once and for all that he was on the side of the bad side of people. Black Manta slash Aqualad teamed up with School Jr., the Terror Twins, and Artemis in disguise as Tigris, and saw Blue Beetle and Impulse get captured by Black Manta and his, his group of villains. But then in the process, uh, also, Mountain Justice was actually blown up in the actual fight between Black Manta... And the big thing at the end of the episode was basically Nightwing talking to Wally and then trying to figure out whether or not Aqualad did what he needed to do or if Aqualad really did turn to the other side.
0: I really liked it as an episode because up until Wally brought up the point, you know, is Aqualad a triple agent? I feel bad for never having considered it, but I really didn't because you go in and, and you're always thinking, no, the good guys are always the good guys, but... There is always the chance, like Wally said, you know, he just lost the love of his life. He just found out that Black Manta is his father. These are things that can kind of shake your foundation as a person and shape how you're viewing the world. So I'm I'm definitely curious to see if the season will reveal like, you know, that, hey, he's been a triple agent all along, the light's gonna win, and screw the good guys.
3: In this episode, you really got a lot of character development and furthering of themselves, especially with Aqualad. You know, there is a, like Melinda says, there is a question over whether he's a triple agent, how loyal is he to his father, are there going to be ties there. It really leaves a lot of questions that I'm quite desperate for them to answer, to be honest. And it, you know, it really. Drew me along. I think this is probably one of the best episodes that they've shown so far.
1: And then that was actually the only episode that aired technically in the entire month of October, and we'll talk about why in a second. But first, October 10th, it was announced via The World's Finest that uh, Warner Brothers is set to release Young Justice Invasion Destiny Calling Season 2, Part 1, which will include the first 10 episodes of Young Justice Invasion or Young Justice Season 2, and including an episode that hasn't actually aired on TV before the dawn, this collection is set to release January 22nd on DVD. So mark your calendars for that. On October 13th, in an odd turn of events, new episodes of Young Justice were scheduled to air on Cartoon Network, but instead, episodes of non-DC-related shows aired during the block. After not only Cartoon Network announcing that new episodes would air through at least the end of October and confirmation from Warner Brothers that new episodes were set to air through the end of the year, as stated in the press release for the collection of Young Justice that we just talked about, DC Nation was pulled by Cartoon Network. On Sunday, October 14th, Cartoon Network sent out a very simple tweet to try and calm the fire. Stating, fear not, DC Nation fans. Green Lantern, the animated series, and Young Justice will return in January with new episodes only on Cartoon Network. So the question remains on why the block was pulled from programming as well as what is the necessity for the constant long hiatuses that ultimately harm shows with the long, overarching storylines such as Young Justice. So Cartoon Network is not having a lot of fans right now. As a non-Batman-related topic... Disney recently announced that they purchased Lucasfilm, meaning that they now own Star Wars, which means The Clone Wars, which has been airing on Cartoon Network, is now no longer going to be aired on Cartoon Network either. So, needless to say, Cartoon Network is not doing so hot as far as their show. They've gotten Clone Wars yanked from their programming because Disney owns it now, so it'll be appearing most likely on one of the many Disney channels and now they're pulling the DC shows and holding them for multiple months yet again.
0: I would just like to say I'm pretty sure we called them not airing the rest of the episodes this year. So I'm really not surprised by this. I'm upset by it. But I also seem to remember reading that this had something, however, abstractly to do with the lawsuit against DC by the the heirs to the creator of Superman. Like, I I seem to remember that it had something to do with that as a reason why they had to pull Young Justice. Maybe they chose to pull Green Lantern at the same time so that they wouldn't be or that it would appear as a united front or that it was something other than what it was. I don't know. I
1: saw something about that online, too, but I think that might have been somebody trying to, again, calm the fire and make an excuse Because the reality is that the the lawsuit that had to do with the heirs of the Superman Empire, not even a week after that episode was supposed to air on the 13th, well, it was announced that Warner Brothers won the lawsuit, and now they have the ability to use Superman whatever way they want. So if the reality is that they did do it because of something to do with that lawsuit. Well, one, why did they wait to do it so late? And two, if they did do it because of that, well, then technically new episodes should have aired the following week. So I'm not real sure what their game was, if that was their decision. When I
3: heard the news, there's a Dr. Cox quote which just sprang to mind. (laughs) You make me want to kill myself and everybody around me. (laughs) And then I kind of calmed down and thought about it logically. And with the announcement of Disney now owning the Star Wars license, I've been kind of going back and thinking about it because if they're going to have Star Wars yanked from their schedule and let's assume that they're going to do it at the end of the year, it would make sense for Cartoon Network to have something big that they could put in the schedules against Star Wars and so it kind of makes sense for them to use the the DC Nation package to put it up against Star Wars to try and fight Disney and, and pull the ratings in. Because as as far as I'm aware, I think Young Justice and Green Lantern have actually you know been a rating success for for Cartoon Network. So that would seem the logical reason behind it. I can't see them wanting to cancel it because i think they genuinely come up come out and say look we're going to cancel it after season two well
1: star wars has been airing on friday nights on cartoon network and it's been pretty much in that prime time block on cartoon network on friday nights the dc nation stuff was originally when they announced that they were going to do dc nation they hyped it up as we're bringing Saturday morning cartoons back to TV and, you know, Saturday morning. Now, the reality is the ratings are decent for Saturday morning for Cartoon Network in general. But the thing is, by putting on a Saturday morning and not in a primetime block, you, you run into that problem of, okay, well, how many people are actually up at 9 o'clock in the morning to actually watch the DC Nation I mean, personally, I DVR it. I don't watch it live because I'm, you know, either doing something or possibly still sleeping at nine o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, I understand we're not the the targeted audience, but at the same point, we are the targeted audience because, you know, if we have kids. Where do we want to buy our kids? If we go to the store, are we going to want to buy them Young Justice and Green Lantern stuff that's on the shelves, or are we going to want to buy them some other toy that's on the shelves at the same you know at the same store because we are watching something else at a different time? The problem is, and very much so, they could be holding it so that they have something to go against Star Wars. You know, once Star Wars goes to Disney, and that might be the case too, but. I think, ultimately, this is just another poor planning thing. And the the reality is they have not gotten picked up for a season three. It'll be two years in November since Young Justice first started airing on TV. And we haven't even gotten through an entire two seasons. So the fact that it's taken two years to get through a total of, with the nine episodes that have aired, I think there was 26 episodes in the first season that's not that many episodes when you think about how much time has actually passed. And this has been a problem with a lot of the DC shows on Cartoon Network. And not just DC shows, but shows a lot of shows on Cartoon Network in general about the fact that Cartoon Network just does not do a very good job of airing the shows in sequence. Or they take these little giant long hiatuses and then start the shows back up from episode one and then run through all the episodes before they get back into the new episodes. Well, that doesn't work and it's going to come to a head because in January when D- when Warner Brothers which will not delay the release of that DVD collection because Warner Brothers doesn't change the release dates on sp- on things like that that are going to be in retail stores and things like that if they don't air that 10th episode before January 22nd when it's released on DVD we're talking about now the home video release schedule has actually caught up with the airing schedule. So there's a possibility that an episode could air on a Saturday and be on DVD three days later. That's how bad it's become at Cartoon Network.
3: Well, it pointing out actually what the, along those lines, that if you've had the season pass on iTunes, it released on the, the Saturday morning, and there All are right. people who bought it and watched it. And they're not going to go and watch it on television. So it's an even stupider decision, to be honest.
1: Exactly. That's actually happened in the past with episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold. Back when that show was airing, there was episodes that aired online on iTunes prior to them airing on Cartoon Network because Warner Brothers was told by Cartoon Network, okay, so this is the release schedule, we're going to air these on these specific days. So Warner Brothers sets up their whole you know, giant whatever machine runs all of their stuff as far as releasing stuff digitally to pop the episodes out on specific dates and then what ends up happening the episodes get released digitally but then Cartoon Network for whatever reason pulls the episode and holds it off on airing it and then the episodes are released I mean I don't understand why Cartoon Network does this it's not helping them in any way shape or form to hold episodes longer than they need to be and and the thing is like Cartoon Network is owned by Turner which Turner is owned by Warner Brothers, so it's all one giant company, but it is, they still do their own things at the different companies. And the reality is that if I was Warner Brothers Animation or, you know, the, the people related to these DC shows, I'd sit there and say, well, why are we continually doing all of these shows that are, you know, these long story arcs that carry on over multiple episodes if they're not getting aired in, the, in a manner where people can actually watch them and get really invested in these storylines? Because Young Justice is just like how Justice League and Justice League Unlimited was where they have their long stories and you know it pays to watch them in sequence. So the only benefit that Warner Brothers has by continuing to use Cartoon Network for this is for people to buy the shows when they come out on DVD because then they can watch them all in sequence instead of having to you know, wait six months in between new episodes.
0: I'm probably the only fan of Pretty Little Liars on here. But they go through a four-month hiatus in the middle of their season. That's It's something that's planned. But in the middle of that four-month hiatus, they have an episode in the middle. It's not directly related to what's going on in the season, but it's directly related to the whole show's overarching storyline. If they want to put this on hiatus, air that before the dawn in December or air it at the start of January. Just to say, hey, we haven't forgotten about you. We still want you to keep watching. And then, you know, wait till January to start new episodes. But but let them know that it's something that's planned, not something that just happens.
1: The biggest problem that I have with this thing that they've done now is the fact the show was on hiatus since, I think it was like June that we last saw new episodes. And then they hype it up and they say oh it's back you know all of all of the stuff starts popping back up the dc nation twitter feed starts popping up with new feeds and interviews and you know the producers make their rounds with and do some interviews with various news sources and things like that they do all this hype for it and then what do they do they air a couple episodes and that's it and then it's like well what was all the hype for and the thing is things like that that pisses the producers off. That pisses the people involved off. I don't see how Cartoon Network can benefit from what they've done at all. And the show that aired instead, because the, the crazy thing was my DVR was still set to record, and because it was already in the lineup as it was supposed to record, it's still recorded, but when I popped it on, it was How to Train a Dragon. Well, I'll tell you what, I was pretty disappointed when I saw How to Train a Dragon instead of Young
3: Justice. But now you're a massive fan of How to Train Your Dragon.
1: Oh, that was so with that, that is all of the TV news. Uh, one other real quick thing that's not Batman related, but ties to the Batman universe. If you haven't been checking out the TV show Arrow, you have been missing out on some little Easter eggs related to the Batman universe. Uh, I've posted up an article on the website about some of the characters that have actually popped up. Um, Deadshot is one of them. Huntress is set to appear, as well as Firefly. Firefly all from the Batman universe, but those characters are set to appear in the TV show. This is a live-action TV show on the CW in America. I'm not sure where it's airing um, outside the country yet, but I'm also sure that these episodes are popping up online as well. You can check those out. But there's a number of Easter eggs. I'm planning on starting up a a weekly article, not necessarily reviewing the episodes, but talking about some of the Easter eggs that... Are Batman-related in the TV show as it's popped up, so you can look forward to that under the DC Universe Spotlight header on the website.
3: If you are in the UK, it's on Sky One on Sunday, about 9 p.m., and it's well worth a watch.
2: You okay? I'm fine. Hold on. Where are you? I'm in New York. Who am I? I And who are you? sit down you don't understand i'm batman i do i do not going anywhere for a while grab a snickers hello good citizen my name is batman you could be my assistant would you like that would you like to ride with batman
1: so with that let's get into merchandise news a couple different things to go over some of it new york comic-con related so the very first thing we have is on October 8th, LEGO announced a new Arkham Asylum set. Now, they've previously released an Arkham Asylum set with the last LEGO Batman series that came out in 2006 and 2007. But uh, with this new DC Universe superheroes that they have, they are releasing a new Arkham Asylum. They have a number of pictures on the website uh, that they have provided for it. A number of really cool minifigs, including Joker in the Arkham suit. Harley Quinn in her psychiatrist outfit before she actually becomes Harley Quinn. Penguin, Scarecrow, Poison Ivy. Robin, based off of the Robin that we saw in Batman Arkham City. And Batman, of course, as well. So there's this is a really cool set. It's definitely going to be up there in price because it is such a big set. There's over 1,600 pieces in the set. So
0: Yeah, and Lego does such a good job about putting detail into their sets. I mean, like you said, 1,600 pieces. And I've seen some of the recent releases on the shelves like as I've been shopping for Christmas presents, and they look phenomenal. They look absolutely fantastic.
3: Yeah, this is a, a fantastic set. I've been looking at the pictures. I'm a big Lego fan anyway, and it, it, it's fantastic. And for the price point as well, it's, it's spot on. It's 120 here. It's about $0.10 cents per piece, which is really, really cheap, you know, so if you're ever thinking of wondering whether to buy it or not, just go and get it, and the rest of the Batman sets are are really good as well.
1: So then the next bit of news we have, on October 10th, DC Collectibles and s- stated that they would be unveiling a number of new items at New York Comic Con. One of the new items that they announced was a new line for the Batman Arkham City so the new set includes Nightwing, Batman, and Talia al Ghul, as well as another figure that they stated they were going to announce on October 31st, but I guess that fell through the cracks and they forgot to mention who the new character is that is going to be in this new series. So be checking the website for updates on who is the fourth figure that is going to be in this series since they have yet to announce it. So then we move into New York Comic Con and the DC Collectibles panel was held on October 11th. And at the panel, there was a number of different new items that were shown off for 2013, including a Batman black and white statue based off of Sean Cheeks Halloway's art, as well as a second edition Frank Miller statue, a Batman The Dark Knight Returns called to Arm statue, and then the, as we mentioned before, the Batman Arkham City's new wave of figures that we just talked about, and there was also a statue based off of Joker from Batman Arkham City that was hinted at through some of the unfinished character designs that were shown off at the panel as well. You can take a look at a picture of all of these except for the Batman black and white Sean Cheeks Halloway statue on the website because DC actually provided those online. There's also a number of different photos that you can check out from not only the DC Collectibles booth, Mattel, Mattel's booth as well. Steve Rogers, who attended New York Comic Con on behalf of the Batman universe, was at, went to the booths and took a number of pictures. One of uh, the pictures actually features the Sean Cheeks, Galloway black, Batman black and white statue that that they talked about but did not provide a picture for. So, um, In addition to those pictures you will also see next to the Batman Arkham City figures a specific thing that says on October 31st they will announce the Final figure for Batman Arkham City line, so that didn't happen. So there's some images on DC Collectibles Facebook page that uh, have revealed it. At this point, while you're listening to this, you can probably check the website and see the updated actual images with the revealed figure, whoever it may be. There's also some pictures from the Mattel booth featuring some of the things that we've already seen and announced, but this time there we've seen them in person including the uh, Injustice Batman from the upcoming Injustice Gods Among Us video game that's set to come out. Uh, the action figure is going to be released on that, as well as some of the packaging for the upcoming Batman Unlimited action figure line and some of the figures from that line, including the Dark Knight Returns, the Batman of R and then a number of the the Batman Evergreen line that's that's currently out, and a number of the new villains that are associated with that line as well, including Bane, Mr. Freeze, and other villains as well. So you can check out a ton of pictures out on the website. Again, thanks to Steve Rogers for attending New York Comic Con and taking all of those pictures.
0: As always, Mattel does just... A great job both actually displaying them but also just with their manufacturing these are these are very quality
1: all right so then on october 13th lego revealed via their twitter feed a new lego set that will be coming out based off the dark knight rises it's called the bat vs. bane and it features batman and bane from the dark knight rises along with a lego version of the bat and one of the camo tumblers that bane uses in the film we have a picture on the website for you to check out. It's pretty cool, and I will definitely be picking it up.
3: It's nice to have a Lego tumbler that's actually in scale with the minifigure. The last one was a little too big, though I do find the back quite disappointing for there to be a lot more to it than what there actually is.
1: All right, so then on October 17th, HeroClix announced that the DC characters will be joining their popular tab app, for Apple's iPad. This is an application for specifically tablets using the actual Heroclix figures, interacting with the tablet, using the figures. You can check out a picture of the Batman one. It's the, the design is featured, is, is based off of the art from the New 52. But in addition to that, they will also include Bane, Batman, and Catwoman from the Dark Knight Rises with that app as well. So you take a look at the pictures of that. The last bit that we have, on October 18th, DC Collectibles revealed a number of new high-end prints, some of which are related to the Batman universe. You can check out all of these on the website. Uh, there's three specifically we featured, Bad Girls of Gotham City featuring Catwoman and Harley Quinn, the Super Pets with Ace the Bat-Hound, and a B is for Batman. So you can check out those. Be sure to check out the DC Collectibles website for a number of the other prints that have actually come out in the past as well. There's a lot of really cool ones that I have purchased and are hanging on my wall.
2: Hello? Did you get Batman Arkham City yet? Yeah, I've been playing and I'm so more Batman than you. I seriously doubt that. I've already been all over Arkham City. You won't believe where I'm about to zip line into. No, I won't believe it. You're like two-faced, and both sides of your face are ugly. What was that? Did you feel something? Yeah, I felt it. I think we might be having maybe a small earthquake or something. I'm so more Batman than you. You don't even know. Look, I was talking to Commissioner Gordon. He wants to take you off the case completely. You're like the dork knight. You want to know why I'm Batman? Why? Because I was born of tragedy, I belong to the knight, and I have an unquenchable thirst for justice. Your birth was a tragedy, all right. You know what would be a cool bat gadget for you is, like, one of those bat walkers with the uh, tennis balls on the bottom? Uh, you're like Natman. Man. You're so annoying. Hey, can I ask you a question? And I want you to answer me very honestly. Oh, sure. Did you do, try to zip line into my apartment? Why? Because I saw a zip line outside of my house when I came home? Alright, so with
1: that, let's get into video game news. Almost as little video game news as there was anything else. As far as Batman Arkham City goes, it was announced on October 4th that it'll be coming to max. This fall, it's actually going to be released this month, so you can watch out for that. Also, we know that Batman Arkham City Armored Edition for the Wii U will actually be released the on the same day as the Wii U. It will be one of the launch titles that is actually released with it. So if you are picking up a Wii U and you have yet to pick up Batman Arkham City, you can take a look at that. On October 10th, Injustice Gods Among Us revealed another new character just in time for the release of Arrow, the TV show. They announced that Green Arrow will be a playable character in the game as well.
0: Definitely good timing on that particular announcement. I think he's generated a lot of press for himself through the TV show. And I like Green Arrow, so I'm, I'm interested to see more and to hear more about Injustice Gods
3: Among Us based on this announcement. Green Arrow looks really, really cool in this game. I think you're right, Melinda, that he managed to really generate a lot of press for himself. And it's it's nice to see each character's given a unique fighting style as well. Uh, the, from the trailer, he, he uses his bows and arrows a lot, but he's not afraid to get his hands dirty as well. So it's nice to see that there'll be different abilities for each one and presumably they're going to have different weaknesses as well. So they they're really thinking about this game. And then the
1: last bit of video game news we have is right at the end of the month it was a new screenshot featuring the Joker for Injustice Gods Among Us was revealed. So you can take a look at that on the website as well. Joker will be a playable character in the game. I'm sure there'll be a trailer right around the corner based off the fact that they just released a screenshot for it. I'm sure there'll be a trailer right around the corner that we will not only have on the website, but also on the YouTube page
2: once it becomes available. Silly punks, Batman owns the night. Now, taste, fear, you... Wait, wait, what? Oh, God! Oh, my back just snapped like a pack of uncooked spaghetti! Oh, you just walk up and break my back without saying a word! Oh, boo! Boo on you, sir!
1: All right, so with that, let's get into general news. Only another couple things to go over. October 11th at New York Comic Con, Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment showed off a new car based off of the design of Jim Lee. DC teamed up with Kia to support the We Can Be Heroes campaign and created a very unique car based off of or themed around Batman. So you can take a look at a number of pictures of that on the website October 19th, Batman Live exclusively revealed a video on the website featuring Alfred. And on October 25th, Warner Brothers announced that the Batmobile Tour is hitting the road starting in Dallas and making their way to a number of sporting events leading up to the release of The Dark Knight Rises on Blu-ray. So they made their way to a Dallas Cowboys game and they are at LSU this weekend when we're recording this. But they're actually going to be going all over the country. So you can not only see the Tumblr, which was already on tour with the Tumblr tour, but you'll also be able to see the other four Batmobiles as well, including the TV version from the 60s, the Michael Keaton Batman, the Val Kilmer Batmobile, and the George Clooney Batmobile. So you can take a look at one picture on the website as well as some of the pictures from the Dallas Cowboys stop on the website as well. So with that, there's one more thing that I want to talk about. It's news-related, but not necessarily something. It kind of falls under our DC Universe Spotlight banner, but it's something that I want to talk about on the podcast specifically because it does relate to Batman, I probably should have brought it up earlier, but I want to bring it up now. On October 18th, Warner Brothers announced that a Justice League movie is coming by 2015. Now, this was in direct relation to the announcement earlier in the day that the, they won the lawsuit against the Superman heirs, meaning that Superman can appear in multiple forms of media that Warner Brothers has control over. So, with that, they immediately announced that Justice League will be coming in 2015, which pits it up right up against Avengers 2, which is also set to release in 2015. We already know that uh, Justice League has a writer, as that was announced earlier in the year, but obviously a director and a cast will still need to be brought on before they can f- start filming, but they are planning on starting to film as early as next year.
0: <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic, as always, with uh, with the Justice League movie. I'm I'm very cautious because I recognize that the only reason... DC is trying to do this now is because they saw the success of the Avengers and they said, well, we need to get our team movie out there. I'm really nervous about it because there's so many ways it could go wrong. The Avengers was very carefully planned and the releases were very carefully timed. So I, I think it will all depend on how Superman goes next summer and which movies, if any, they decide to do in the interim.
3: I, Like you, Melinda, I'm nervous about this. We've been promised Justice League movies quite a lot, and they never really come to fruition. And I think the film itself has a lot of work to do because if it hasn't got those the the actors that people recognise as playing those characters, for example, Christian Bale, I think it's going to struggle it's also got to introduce new characters that filmgoers aren't necessarily going to know. They'll know about Wonder Woman, but are they going to know about Flash, Martian Manhunter, and any of the other characters that they decide to, to bring into this? But if they pull it off, 2015 is going to be a good year for geeks. We've got Avengers 2, Star Wars and a
1: justice league movie so it was just worth mentioning because that could be something that we could be focusing a little bit more attention on as we get closer to finding out the possibility of whether or not this is going to happen or not in the coming months but uh, i wanted to mention it so with that uh, let's get into listener q and a's (laughs)
3: <laughs> Don't!
1: Ah! There's a lot of responses to episode 80 that we posted last month. To to roll through just a couple of them. So Alex said, "Hey, Melinda, I think you're in the majority when it comes to Hulk. I just heard from so many people and read how terrible Edward Norton's portrayal was, and compared to Mark Ruffalo. And I just wanted to say something." I recently took out The Avengers in my local library. My opinion changed. I actually really, really liked it after watching it again. Although I still thought the overall plot and villain was lame, they did such a great job with bringing the heroes together. The first time I saw it was about a month ago, so I had these other super high expectations after being told it was so amazing. And being that I was underwhelmed by those things, I didn't enjoy it. If people are putting it up as one of the greatest films of all time, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be the godfather of action movies, but people were hyping it up as being a mature comic book movie with the best action character interactions and characters seen on film. So right off the bat, when I see the main villain saying, you have heart, while poking them with a stick and talking to a Power Rangers-looking creature about a cosmic cube, I didn't have the most open mind. Not that there's anything wrong with it, I just completely cough, caught me off guard. Seeing the high score on IMDb convinced me to give it another shot, I'm glad I did it. I previously did that with a movie I disliked after going into it with misconceptions of what it was supposed to be, and it turned out to be one of, one of if not my favorite movie of all time, Fight Club. Alright, so he's basically talking about how he gave Avengers a second try, and it was better. Hopefully... If there's a movie out there that's Batman-related, you've given it a second try. I'm pretty sure Batman and Robin is not one of those movies where when you give it a second try, you're going to like it more.
0: Oh, it's definitely not. I uh, recently started re-watching it and hated myself so much that I had to go cry for an hour.
3: I did read an article that defended Batman and Robin, um, but they were wrong. <laughs> Alright, so, then
1: Dave said, he was actually one of our former co-hosts on the on the normal cast, said, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 enjoyed this a lot. I thought Peter Weller brought a sense of gravitas to the elder Batman Bruce Wayne that I'm not sure even Kevin Conroy could have brought. Frank Miller comic that this is based off is one of the better bad stories out there and easily the peak of Miller's work. These days, he is just crazy. Read All-Star Batman and Robin for insight into Miller's current insanity, and I thought the animation treatment was very loyal to the source material. It seems also I'm one of the few that don't mind the movie adaption of Year One. Having said that after three viewings, I still don't really like the Avengers, so you get used to having the difference of opinion with the majority. I'd like to hear a discussion on what animation movies DC would do within the Batman universe after Part 2 of The Dark Knight Returns, Personally, i like to see the adaption of the R.E.P storyline leading into a battle for the cow movie and round it off with the return of Bruce Wayne. Mixing the stories to work into three movies would be great, and I think Morrison's work deserves that animation movie treatment. Also, Hush, No Man's Land, and Nightfall would be enjoyable as well. Well, that's something that we're actually going to discuss next month, Dave. I think that is a good topic, and I think it's worth talking about. We've talked about some of this in the past, but we've never really dedicated an entire feature to that, so we will be discussing that next month on the podcast.
3: In response to Dave's comment, you're wrong about Peter Weller. Um, <laughs> I'm being really nice. Um, he just, for me, the entire film, he just drops the ball at every opportunity. And I'm going to give you one example because I know that well, we've got to be brief. But it's the scene where Batman, he, he decides to come back as Batman. There is literally no expression in that entire scene. I, You know, it's almost Ben McKenzie bored it's you know i just didn't believe that batman was coming back at all there was no differentiating between bruce and batman which is the central thing about the character there's a difference between batman and bruce and you need to portray that and they didn't that's my argument but it's still a valid argument from him And then over on twitter a user by the name of
1: At freeze 92 his name is Cody, gave us some compliments on Twitter and actually suggested today's feature that we'll be talking about. So thank you to Cody for suggesting today's feature. So with that, let's get right into our feature. discuss the characters, the allies, the supporting characters within the Batman universe, and basically talk about their current status within the new DC universe. So first off, we'll start with Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, as we know, has previous Robin. He did become Nightwing, and he did do a stint as Batman before the New 52. The New 52 started. We don't know whether or not or why he went back to be Nightwing yet, because that has not been discussed but we also know that his origin has slightly changed with the idea that he deduced who Bruce Wayne, he deduced who Batman was by facial tics. That was revealed last month in Nightwing number zero. As far as some other things that have been revealed as far as Nightwing goes and some of the other things that are happening with Nightwing right now and and Dick Grayson is that Sonia Branch, uh, the daughter of Tony Zuko, who actually was responsible for his parents' death, He's been. He could be linked romantically with her in coming up uh, upcoming issues, based off of some events that have happened, going back to issue n- number twelve of the current run with Dick Grayson.
0: Yeah, in reading issue zero and seeing how Dick Grayson figured out that Bruce Wayne and Batman were the same person, it really, really reminded me of John Blake doing the same thing in The Dark Knight Rises. But it also brought to mind tim kind of saying oh hey you uh, you nightwing or you robin were able to pull off that really insane move that only dick grayson was ever able to pull off you two must be the same person i like that they're they're giving that kind of detective aspect or not really detective aspect but people reading aspect to dick grayson's character especially since it's something he seems to be so strong in Naturally, it's nice that they gave that kind of a, a starting point or a, a point from which we can draw the origin
3: for it. I uh, think uh, it the, the origin story to me fits in very well with his origins. Anyway, it's it's not a massive reshuffle. It's it's effectively a tweaking, and it, it develops his character. And I think we've sort of seen nods towards when he was Batman as well. There have been sort of looks and things like that that have, to me, been quite similar to when he was being Batman. But ultimately, the question, a uh, massive question that I really want answered is why did he go back to being Nightwing?
0: It's funny that you say that because going into the New 52, that was one of the big questions I had was why would he choose... Almost to take a step down and go back to being Nightwing. But in reading the new series, that, that's that been pushed completely to the back of my mind because I always just think, well, he was never really that comfortable being Batman. And he seems a lot more comfortable just being Nightwing. And, I mean, yes, he recognizes he has a responsibility on his shoulders, but it's not the whole responsibility of Gotham like he had to when he was Batman.
3: No, I agree. I, he has, I mean, he definitely has always been his own man. That's the thing, you know, Dick's always had the, the same, or you know, a very similar origin story to Batman, but the thing that's always been distinct is he's been never taken Batman's part. That's always something that he could, he has the opportunity to do, but he's not. But for me, he took that role on because he knew Gotham needed a Batman. And... He knew that that was the only way that they could restore order uh, in battle for the cow, so for him to go and, and when Bruce came back it, he didn't stop being Batman. he carried on there was there was two Batmans so so he had Bruce in Batman Inc and then there's Dick in Batman and Robin, and a couple of, of other ones, but those were the two main ones. But he carried on, which I think if he was so desperate to stop being Batman with Bruce coming back, he would have gone, brilliant, here you go, that's the, the, here's the mantle back, like he does in Prodigal at at the end of the Nightfall series, where Bruce recovers from his broken back, and Dick's been covering, and then he hands it back immediately to him and says, I never want to do that again, so... That's something I think has to be explained. But, you know, I think if you maybe you're a new reader, it doesn't bother you that much because you don't know the, the history. So then the next one we're going to talk about is Barbara Gordon.
1: Barbara Gordon, as far as what we know is with the New 52, is ever since the New 52 started, she has become Batgirl yet again. She has the ability to walk. We still don't know specifically how she regained the ability to walk, but they have referenced her being paralyzed multiple times, so that still did happen. We don't know whether or not she's been Oracle, based off of uh, anything that's been mentioned. She does have computer skills, but it's never really been seen very well in the current Batgirl series. But needless to say, Barbara Gordon is probably one of the characters we know the least about within the the difference between before New 52 and the New 52.
0: So, as feared, her... uh, The the catalyst for her ability to walk is just a MacGuffin. We still don't know it. I will be honest, I stopped reading her because I found the way she was written just so incredibly frustrating. But I've, I've seen her pop up from time to time in Nightwing. Just, I think, once to beat him up for no real reason. And... Other than that, I really haven't seen her. She she showed up during Sport of Owls just because obviously she is an ally of the Batman and that's great that she showed up there. I she's one that I really wish there were there was more information on because she went from a character that I really respected and I really liked to a character that I cannot even stand to read.
3: Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. I stopped reading after the first issue. It you know, Gail Simone's always produced some brilliant really brilliant work. I enjoyed her run on Birds of Prey. And, you know, being one of the few female writers in the DC universe, I think it's important that, you know, she carries on and that, you know, more female writers come through. But she she does seem to be holding back on everyone and not Aren't really answering that question, which I think the the zero issue would have been a perfect opportunity to go. This is how she went from being paralysed to being the the stuff that I I've, I've read uh, of Batgirl. I've always felt that she's always wanted to go back to being Batgirl. There's um, an issue called Birds of Prey, Black Canary, Batgirl, where Spellbinder creates this universe for her, and she goes, in her mind, she's Batgirl again. And throughout the, the history in the comics, she's, that's, I've always felt what she wanted to be. So her going back to Batgirl is a very natural step, in my opinion. But it does just need that question to be answered there seems to be a lot of kind of questions to be answered really that will then make this all make sense and place it for for fans so then the next character we're going to talk about is
1: some may consider this character a villain some may consider them not a villain, but the reality is uh Selena Kyle is. You know she walks that fine line on in the gray, whether or not she's a hero or a villain, you know she does what she, is best for her, and she has her interests at heart at, at, most of the time so Selena Kyle, ever since the new fifty two has started, we've learned a couple new things about her. They did change her origin in the zero issue that released last month, and basically they stole the origin from Batman Returns where she gets pushed off a building and somehow the cats bring her back to life. Now, I'm not exactly sure what they were thinking with that origin. That's one of those origins where I'm really hoping this New 52 thing isn't going to last very long. Maybe it's like a five-year thing to shake everything up and... Then they go back to the way things were. I don't really know, but the the origin that they approved for that Zero issue didn't make a lot of sense. But besides that, some of the other things that have spawned out of the current Catwoman series is that her real name might not actually be Selina Kyle. She might actually be Russian and not American. Besides that, she has no problem seducing Batman and somehow has no problem seducing Batman into, you know, having torrid affairs with him while they're still in their costumes and that's selena kyle
0: selena kyle that origin story is ridiculous and she she's a character that i walk the line of liking and not liking i like certain comics when she shows up and i very much dislike in others when she does but the the idea of her seducing batman well Selena's going to do what's best for Selena or whatever her Russian name might be. And I think that the most recent series based on what I've heard of it is very much about Selena doing whatever is best for her and sometimes attempting to protect her friends, but sometimes not. She seems to be just a really inconsistent character who who really really changes based on who writes her. I would like to see very even characterization for her, something that's less flip-floppy, and really a, a an origin that's at least somewhat plausible. I realize that's a lot to ask, but somewhat plausible.
1: So then moving into our next character, we're going to talk about Tim Drake. Now, Tim Drake is one of those characters where his entire origin story has changed dramatically. Now, Tim Drake was the the boy who figured out who Batman was based off of what he saw when Dick Grayson was Robin working with Batman. And now it's basically changed to... He did not necessarily figure out who Batman was. What he did was, is he figured out how to, you know, screw with Batman. And then convinced Batman that he wanted to be his sidekick. And... Essentially, they've mutated Tim Drake into a character who is very selfish... and looks out for himself to the point where he actually put his parents in harm's way by screwing with the Penguin and the Penguin coming to his house and shooting up the house with the possibility of his parents being murdered. It was also revealed that Tim Drake is not actually his real name and his parents are in witness protection because of the events that happened with the Penguin. But there's a lot of a lot of holes that we've pointed out in the comic cast. You should refer to episode number 101, part one of the comic cast for us to talk about a lot of the tim drake stuff that happened because it's tim drake is a very different character than
3: we have known
0: i'll let john start on this one because i know he's got some very
3: strong feelings thank you i'm going to apologize now this is the perfect well this is the Second reason, Scott Lobdell should be banned from writing comics. The thing new list, you know, people who are picking up the new 52 need to... probably won't realise. I think the new 52 is aimed at them, which is why they were able to do such a departure, but Tim Drake spotted, sort of saw Batman becoming more and more irrational if you want to go and look up the trade issue it's the only place of dying and after jason todd's death batman becomes more and more irrational and tim drake essentially goes and finds dick and says i've worked out that batman's bruce wayne and you were robin you need to come back because batman's going crazy and it's, it's always been that that's differentiated Tim from Dick Grayson and from Jason Todd, is his compassion, his understanding, and his detective skills. He's not, never been the fighter that Nightwing is, and he's never been impulsive, which is what Jason Todd is. That's made him the character, and that's made him identifiable with other people. And it made rational sense. You know, Batman's going to be affected by Jason Todd die In this new relaunch, and I'm with you, Dustin, I looked at it and just went, I hope to God this doesn't stick. And I'm I'm holding out hope because of the fact that unlike all of the other issues, it doesn't have a this was six years ago or this was three years ago. He doesn't have any of that. it doesn't place it within the timeline that all the other issues have done. so for me, it's a really easy thing to ignore, but he is basically an ass through the entire thing his The fact that his parents are still alive doesn't make sense. It basically writes out of continuity a load of stuff that they were very determined would stay in continuity. And it also robs him of, you know, he, his parents die late on, so he's always had his father around, who's he's been the one who, who's alive. His mother died in, a, in an attack, and that's always made him different. It doesn't need both parents to be alive. It doesn't add to the character. It doesn't make any difference to the character because he's always had a parent alive. He's always had someone there to ground him that's why that's why he gives up being robin during uh, just before the, the the war games crisis because his dad go finds out who he he's robin and says please stop and and you're carried away with that and and tim not being a selfish prat goes no this is the right thing to do he's he's got compassion and Scott Lovedell has robbed Tim of everything that made him special and made him relatable. And that's the most important thing, I think. It's made him relatable. There was a perfectly good issue for Scott Lovedell to tell, which is the gap between the Robin miniseries and Lonely Place of Dying. That's where he could have gone at the, at the end of Lonely Place of Dying. He, he says, well, I'm not sure about dismantle and Batman says no you are and then between and, and between that those two issues they could have Scott Lobdell could have told a story about Tim not being sure that he is worthy of being Robin and then put the Red Robin thing in and where he changes his name and says do you know what no I don't feel comfortable doing this and we could have had a further progression of Tim's character that stayed in relation to everything that we've learned so far and we didn't and it was just nonsense and I hope to God it gets corrected at some point please and I'm done now I'm gonna breathe
0: strong feelings I have not found Tim to be very relatable through the whole thing through all of Teen Titans and I think part of that is so much of the book is wrapped up in telling the story of teen titans real relationship with superboy who does have his own book i think that tim is really robbed here in the fact that he doesn't get his own book this time because we we very rarely get to see his motivations his thinking and as john just very eloquently put it we don't see his compassion or it, you know it just may not be there at all and scott labdell really did the character a great disservice. His portrayal in Teen Titans Issue Zero. Because he's taken away... Arguably one of the best young characters in the entire universe. He's he's changed him on a fundamental level. And this was a character that did not need that change. That that in no way grows from it. In no way becomes a better character to us. Or a, a more complex character. He becomes a selfish brat. So... I don't like the the direction that Tim is going on right now and I I sincerely hope it's corrected.
3: Do you know how he read in the entire thing? And I know this probably isn't relevant, but it, it if you're new, he reads like Jason Todd. All the stuff that he does in the Zero issue and he does in the Teen Titans is stuff Jason Todd would do. And that, I think, is the a major problem if you want to compare you know go and read red hood and the outlaws read under the red hood and then read teen titans and read teen titans issue zero and there is almost no difference between the two characters and now i won't say anything else i'm done i promise the one extra thing
1: i want to say about tim drake is they've been talking recently about giving tim drake his own solo series and that could be the redeeming factor that this character needs is by him getting his own solo series but not having it written by Scott Lobdell. Uh, if they were to get uh, maybe Fabian Decisa, who's worked with Tim Drake in the past and has, really understands the character, there's other people too. I mean, if they re- they could get Chuck Dixon to come back, I'd love to have Chuck Dixon come back and do some Tim Drake That is not very likely because Chuck Dixon has had a huge fallout with DC. But there's writers out there who understand Tim Drake more so than I think Scott Lobdell does. I think the problem is that DC looked at these different creators and said, we want to shake these characters up. Let's put a creator who isn't as familiar with the character. And that's why we've seen some of these characters be so specifically different than their original origins because these creators have come on and basically created this new and I hate to say it but it's almost as if they've created their fan fiction of what they would prefer the story the the character's origin to be instead of what we've all come to know and appreciate. And the biggest problem with this is, you know, it's taking specific things that uh, they're changing, very specific things that people who have loved these characters for, you know, tens and tens of years, and they're changing these things to accommodate towards these new readers, but the issue is that these new readers are now accustomed to this new origin that isn't necessarily the true meaning of the character. Now, ultimately, if the DC decides to just say five years after the New 52 starts, hey, listen, we're going to go back to the way things were or there's some event that changes everything back to the way things were or something like that, that's, that's great and dandy, but then ultimately what does that do for those all those new readers that they were so anxious about getting in the first place? It's going to turn all those new readers into the same angry fans that some of us are. So that's my biggest thing is maybe they're not going to take this all back. And if that's the case, then... Really, I have to wonder what their thought process behind some of these new origins are. Anyway, so let's move into our next character, Jason Todd. So Jason Todd was another one who's had a pretty big significant change. It was revealed in the Zero Issue that Jason Todd could have in fact been placed in Batman's world by the Joker himself. Basically, the entire story is very similar to what we've seen in all of the other issues featuring Jason Todd from before the New 52, but then at the end of the entire issue, there's a small backup story that features the Joker talking about how he basically put Jason Todd in front of Batman to become his new sidekick. Now, the issue with that is that that would mean that the Joker knows who Batman actually is, and it presents a ton of problems, but uh, for the most part, Jason Todd's origin has not changed Except for the fact that supposedly the Joker has something to do with him originally becoming Robin.
0: Just a sidebar, I don't have a huge problem with the Joker knowing who Batman is. Because he's, he's always been fairly protective of Batman, you know, not letting anyone else try to kill him but him. But anyway, Jason Todd, I really like the character. I really, really like Red Hood and the Outlaws. I don't want to say grow, because he really doesn't grow that much, but, I mean, when he shows up as an ally of the Bat, you can tell he is an ally of the Bat. He's respecting Batman's wishes to not kill people, and regardless of what he thinks, of whether he thinks that Batman let him down by not killing the Joker, he's still there trying to help Batman. I think it was... It was in one of the issues of Batman and Robin. I want to say maybe 10 or 11... He shows up when the call gets put out that, you know, allies of... After the Court of Owls, when Terminus is attacking, he does show up, and he attempts to help the bats. And even though, yeah, he turns down the ride home and everything like that, he's still there, and when Damien makes the comment, oh, you know, did you develop a foot fetish? Your aim's a little off. He says, you know, I don't want to anger Daddy Bats. And he says it very sarcastically, but you can tell that... He means it. He doesn't want to make Batman mad. he He's just as disappointed in Batman as Batman is in him.
3: Finally, I'm going to disagree with you, Melinda. Um, yes! <laughs> I know, I was getting worried as well. Uh, this is the first reason Scott Lobdell should not be allowed near any comics. The whole idea of Jason Todd working for Batman is ridiculous. The guy is kills he's a killer and that's not what batman's ever been about batman doesn't want to be associated with people who kill people who attack and try and hurt people to to get even to get revenge which has always been jason todd's defining thing he was let down by batman he's angry at batman he's angry at all of them and he's doing in his eyes what he thinks Batman should be doing, which is killing supervillains and killing the bad guys. And there's a really interesting story to tell behind that. He just, we just haven't had it at all. And it's, it's just been nothing but disappointing. We've just seen him sleep around and... Generally, be sarcastic, and it that that to me just doesn't give enough depth to what it is in a very interesting character. It, you know, it's it's ridiculous. And as for the Joker knowing who planting Jason Todd, that's just ridiculous. And the Joker is a, a a nutcase. If he knows who Batman is, he's just going to turn up at his home, and he's going to trash it and he's going to try and kill him and he's going to hurt everybody that bruce is is close to because that's what the joker does he he's the opposite of batman he likes chaos he likes insanity there's no to me the character has no logical reason to do any of those actions at all it just doesn't fit into it to me
1: I will say, in defense of the Joker thing, I don't like it, but the reality is that if you look at it from the perspective of if the Joker did know who Batman was, would he do something like put somebody in place for Batman to make his sidekick just so that the Joker could kill him, just so that Joker could screw with Batman? Yes, Joker would do something like that, but the problem is that there's there's holes as far as like what's what the Joker could possibly know in relation to, you know, how things are. Now, it might be the case that the Joker does know who Batman is, but at the same point, I just think it'd be too coincidental that Batman would have never mentioned once, hey, the Joker knows who I am. Now, that could change once this new story that's happening right now, Death of the Family, takes place and we see what happens with that. Things could change, but I think the problem is that there's, there's too many, like, unsaid answers as far as what the Joker knows and what the Joker doesn't know. The other thing I forgot to mention is with the new with the new origin for Jason Todd is he no longer was brought back to life by Superboy Prime punching a wall. They took the him being brought back to life by a Lazarus Pit, basically from the under the Red Hood movie that we saw a couple of years ago. They've taken the origin as Talia al Ghoul brings Jason Todd's body to the Lazarus Pit and that's what resurrects Jason Todd from The Dead instead of Superboy Prime Punch. So that was another difference. Okay, so the next character we're going to talk briefly about is Damien. Now, Damien really hasn't had a whole lot of history to really mess with. And for the most part, there really hasn't been any changes within the New 52. One of the things that has happened, though, for the character is that he has a lot more respect for his father, Bruce Wayne, and they they get along a lot better. Obviously, right before the New 52, when Damien was working with Dick Grayson, they still get along, and they we do see references of them working together in the past, in the current issues. Damien does have a knack against Tim Drake, for whatever reason that has not really re- been revealed as far as why he doesn't like tim drake it was a, it made sense in the past when tim drake you know before the new 52 when tim drake was living with bruce wayne and you know was only a couple years older than damian it made sense but now it doesn't necessarily make as much sense because even though we see in teen titans number 0 that bruce wayne takes tim drake into his house It's not really explained as to, okay, so he is supposed to be watched by Bruce Wayne, but he's never in the picture ever, ever in any of the books except for Teen Titans. So that's the the one thing that doesn't make a lot of sense is if Damien has a problem with Tim Drake because of his relationship with his father, then the issue would be, well, we should be seeing Tim Drake in the books. But for the most part, Damien is pretty unchanged.
0: Yeah, not a whole lot to comment on as far as his character progression has gone. He's he's gotten more bearable as the, the New Fifty Two has progressed. Uh, it was great to see him really clash with Bruce at the start and and watch them learn to respect each other, especially as Damien actually killed someone defending Bruce, knowing that, you know, that was
3: that was something he wasn't supposed to do. Watching him deal with the repercussions of that. Yeah, I t- I tend to take the standpoint and tend to believe D C when they say, you know, all the events that have happened before, still in continuity, still there. So I I, I'm still buying the whole Damien disliking Tim, needling Tim, winding him up and having a go at him. I think that's, you know, in my opinion it's sort of there. For the character progression, I think did the ultimate question is, why is Bruce back with Damien? Obviously, he said, oh, well, you know, I want to keep an eye on you, make sure that you're progressing, going to look after you, I'm going to do the dad thing. But he had such a good relationship with Dick Grayson, why was he willing to swap? And I think that's where the, the big overarching... Interesting storyline that could explain all of this can come from that triangle of Dick, Bruce and Damien and their relationship and what went on for the state of events to be as they are for them to, to change and, and be, you know, Bruce and Damien and, and Dick off on his own.
1: The last two characters that we're going to talk about in conjunction is Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Cain. Now, Cassandra Cain, before the New 52 started, we have to kind of go back you know, pretty much three years ago when the uh, new Batgirl series featuring Stephanie Brown kicked off. Cassandra Cain gave up the Batgirl costume to Stephanie Brown and then disappeared for a while. And then she reappeared for a very brief appearance in Batman Incorporated as, under a new persona called Black Bat, where she was supposed to be Batman's agent of the Bat in Hong Kong. And it was only talked about very, very briefly. And since the New 52, Cassandra Kane has not been mentioned once. Whether it be in any of the normal books or Batman Incorporated, it's almost as if she doesn't exist. And then we talk about Stephanie Brown. And Stephanie Brown is another character who reappeared a couple years before the New 52. Presumably back from the dead, she... Took back the role of her, her, the role of Spoiler, and then eventually took the role of Batgirl from Cassandra Kane and was Batgirl for two years in her own series before the New 52 started. When Batgirl became Barbara Gordon yet again, Stephanie Brown disappeared off the face of the earth yet again. Now there has been talks at almost every single convention that DC attends on whether or not Cassandra and Steph still exist, or whether or not we're ever going to see them again. And pretty much the exact same response that we hear every time is similar to what John just said. Everything that has happened has still happened and there's characters out there that you just haven't seen yet but they they still exist. So they're not saying that the characters don't exist but at the same point they're not telling us where the characters are. And the reality is as much time is going to go by in specific series it's going to be very difficult to explain where some of these characters have been. All of these you know, very large overarching story arcs that are happening with Scott Snyder involving some of the other Bat Family characters. It's very difficult to understand. Well, what happened to Spoiler or Batgirl or whatever Stephanie Brown's going by the name of? Same thing with Cassandra Kane, Why were they not involved in these stories if they're important members of the Bat Family that aren't just that are just not being addressed? So these characters are missing in action as of now.
0: I remember when Batgirl got like when Stephanie Brown's Batgirl was getting cancelled and, you know, the new fifty two thing was coming up and Dan Didio was asked what what's Stephanie Brown's future in the Batman universe and he said, I'd hate to spoil anything and everyone was like, Ooh, that means spoilers coming back, we're super excited about it. Well, you know, it's been it's been a year, a little over a year. We haven't seen anything from her or Cass and quite frankly that's really disappointing because those were two really beloved characters I don't understand it I don't pretend to understand it I want to see them back I I feel as though if they bring Cass back it's going to be through Batman Incorporated she's probably still going to have the black bat mantle but I, I don't understand how they're going to bring Stephanie Brown back
3: Dan Dio said you know that the reason Stephanie Brown hasn't come back is because of poor sales and As great as the the series was, I can kind of understand why, if it hasn't been selling well, they don't want to to really bring her back because, ultimately, DC's a business. Now, I understand that it's going to irritate the fans, but I'm going to assume that it's the same reason for Cassandra as well, that they don't think it's going to sell, that there's enough fan demand. Now, whether there is or not is obviously a different conversation. The thing that, obviously, as fans who have been reading before the New 52, we tend, or I certainly admit, I tend to forget, is that New 52 is really aimed at new readers, and they don't want to confuse new readers too much by introducing all these characters and throwing all of this backstory back on to, to new people. Now, as, as a, a older fan, well, I, you know, hold... That everything is in continuity, so I know that backstory, and I want to see the characters come back. But if you're a new reader, and then you've been told, oh, here are these two characters that you might not necessarily have heard of, here they are, here's their own series, away you go, then it's... It, it might put a lot of people off because they then feel that they have to go back and do you know, reread everything and, and some fans don't want to to do that. I think if they were going to bring it back, I think that the best way to do it and, and you suggested this, Dustin, in the comic cast of last month, that really the best way to do it would I think have Tim Drake Stephanie Brown come back as spoiler and Cassandra Kane as Black Bat and have their own team and their own comic. And that way you've got all of these characters. So for older fans, you can go, right, well, they've got all the backstory and the past is still there. You can rest easy. And if you're a new reader, then you're able to pick it up and go, well, this just seems to be a new set of characters in a way and it makes it it better and also will give dc the sales figures that they obviously want for the comics in my opinion yeah it's definitely
1: something that i'm interested in seeing too so for the most part uh, for more talk about all of the characters within the batman universe and their current statuses uh, be sure to check out the batman universe comic podcast obviously review all of the batman related books But there's a number of different things that come up every month and we discuss some of the, I specifically bring up a lot of the the history elements uh, related to these characters and how it contradicts things from the past and things like that. So check out the comic cast for that. So with that, that's pretty much everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website to check out all the latest news related to the Batman universe, relating to movie, TV, merchandise, video game, general, and of course the comics as well. Check out all of our other podcasts, including the Batman Universe Bat-Fans podcast, which comes out bi-weekly, and also check out some of our other podcasts. Uh, We have some specials that are planned in the coming months for you to check out as well. You can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with any questions, comments, or concerns, or any feedback you want us to talk about on the next podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and you can... Leave questions, comments, or concerns also in the comment feed for the specific podcast episode. That is everything. This is Dustin.
0: This is Melinda.
1: And this is Jim. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next month.
0: Cartoon Network, you're bad and you should feel bad.
1: Mark Paul Valley is actually... Not Mark Paul Valley, John
3: Paul Valley, old man. What Dustin hasn't told us is that his son's going to be the new co-host.
0: I'm thinking he actually just didn't tell you. We're phasing you out, John.
3: No! Uh,
0: we'll live, we'll live. You know, once he starts talking, like, it's really only a matter of time.
3: Yes, to be fair he'll probably make more intelligent points than I do. So he, it it's only natural.
0: And he's young enough that I can still convince him to agree with me.
3: <laughs> well I dunno. They could phase you out as well. <laughs>